0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Man, I'm so thankful for Jesus. I shared a lot of my testimony in the first service, but it took a lot of time. And so I don't really want to go into the full depth of my testimony, but I'd love for you to be able to hear it because it gives glory to God. How many people know your testimony gives glory to God. When you testify to what Jesus has done in your life and you rehearse it and you testify of it, then it gives him glory. He gets glory by that. And so I love to share my testimony, um, but I'm not going to share the whole thing in this service because I feel like the Lord wants us to end at a, in, in a place that's going to be really special for all of us here at the end of this service. And um, so I want to build towards that. Um, but I will say this. I grew up in Newport News, Virginia. Or you could throw a rock and hit three churches by accident. There's churches everywhere. And um, how many people know it's, it's, it's one thing to know about Jesus, it's another thing to actually know Jesus. And uh, you can grow up in a culture where Jesus is talked about, and you could even go to church, but yet not know Jesus. And so I remember I I gave my life to the Lord when I was 11 years old. We didn't go to church all the time, but we went kind of periodically. My parents divorced when I was two, and my mom was uh, codependent and just lost and broken, didn't know what she didn't know. Um, And so she would kind of bring us to church sometimes, and then, you know, she'd get hurt or whatever, and then we wouldn't go for a while. And uh, so that was kind of our rhythm. My dad was a believer, but a backslidden believer and, uh, but really did believe in Jesus. I do remember a, a low time in his life where he woke up early in the morning and got me and my brother together, put our shoulders together and said, Look me in the eyes, boys. If if you believe in Jesus, you could do anything in this world. And so he had a faith, but he just didn't know what he didn't know. He was only walking in the light that he had, and he had a lot of pain that he didn't know how to deal with. And so he dealt with it by drinking a couple days a week and and partying and And uh, that was kind of my example of Christianity, you know, so like you believe, but it's kind of like fire insurance faith, you know, like I believe in case I die, I don't burn, you know, kind of thing, you know, and uh, I got my get out of jail free card. And so I prayed the prayer when I was 11 years old. It was a true moment with the Lord. And so in in my mind, I was saved. And so between 11 years old, when I prayed that prayer and 18, I had 18 felonies. Knowing Jesus, you know, like, and, and I was angry because I was afraid. I was insecure. I didn't have dads all the time in my life, and when you have a lot of fear and insecurity, a lot of times it will manifest in anger. So I would fight on a regular basis, and uh, I actually was afraid of fighting, but I was good at it. So once you get a reputation as a fighter, then you got to fight, because fighters search you out to fight you. and. Uh, I remember one time I I actually lost my temper at a soccer game, I punched this guy in the face at the soccer game, it's a long story. Around that time I had a a piece of jewelry on, Um, it's like a black ankle bracelet with a box on it. Anybody know what I'm talking about, like, (laughs) it's called house arrest and uh, I went to this soccer game because that was the only place I was allowed to go, it was at the school and at the soccer field was at the school, and I could go to church. That was the only places I was allowed to go. And Long story short, I ended up punching this guy in the face at the soccer game. Um, and his, his girlfriend was in the car with him, and she called the police on me. And um, I ended up having to go back to jail. But I remember her screaming, and I remember she had blonde hair. I don't remember looking at her, you know, but I just remember she had blonde hair, she's screaming. And I remember feeling like, man, why did I do that again? I was trying to stay out of trouble. You ever know somebody who just seems like they can't stay out of trouble? It's like they try their best and they just keep falling. Like that's what that's what it's like for people who really they don't know the Lord yet, you know? They're just they're 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 under the bondage. They're under the sway of the 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 one who has, is the prince of the power of the air, the the enemy. It's that Romans 7, I I do those things that I hope I I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I want to do, and it's like you're in this bondage, and it feels hopeless, you know, but it isn't hopeless because God has sent his only begotten son to set us free. To make a way where we could be born again, where, where that sinner can drown in the baptism tank and resurrect a brand new creation, no longer a sinner but a saint and have a new nature and actually have new desires where it's no longer our nature to do what is wrong. But if we do what's wrong, then we have an advocate in Christ who prays for us and intercedes for us and we're being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? And as far as the east is from the west, so far as it removes our transgressions from us because of the blood of Jesus, which we talked about, he doesn't even remember it anymore. Man, this good news is almost too good to be true. That God would become sin so that we could become righteousness. He became unrighteousness and took on our unrighteousness so that we could become righteous. It's amazing news, good news. But I didn't know that back then, you know. And... Um, I remember I had to go back to jail, get out of jail, and um, a couple years later, and I got a job as a painter, and um, these painters um, were on fire for Jesus that I was painting with. I got on this crew. It was a bunch of radically saved black dudes. They picked me up in the morning blasting Kirk Franklin and wow gospel music, you know, Talking about, you know, Jesus said this and Jesus said that and Jesus healed just the such and such. And I'm like, well, you talking about Jesus said something to you, man. And they're like, Don't you know John 10? My sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me. And I know them. And I would never considered that you can't know anyone that you don't talk to, but then also listen to. You you gotta be able to communicate. And and if you're in this room and you don't know the Lord, I want you to know that Jesus Christ uh, came, Emmanuel, God, he's, came, he's come to be with you. He's not a God who's come to be, to, to be apart from you in the sense that he doesn't want to be with you. He's come to be with us, to become one with us. You were created to be in relationship with God. You are divine design. You were created to hear the voice of God. Say, I can hear God's voice. There's not one person in here that cannot hear God's voice. You're not the only one who can't. No, you were created to hear God's voice. But his main way that he speaks isn't necessarily English. (laughs) I think God speaks in mystery. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out. And he doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. And he hides it for us because he wants the humble to be the powerful and not the prideful. And so when he hides it in mystery, it's the humble that actually seek it out in the secret place. They seek him. So that's why Jesus spoke in parables. And a lot of times people didn't know what he was talking about. But the disciples, because of their proximity, their relationship with Jesus, would go into an intimate setting and say, hey, what's that parable mean? And he would give them the revelation. That's why John the the Beloved, you know John the Beloved, he had this revelation of the love of God. You know he 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 recognized how much God loved him, and therefore he had his head on the chest of Jesus. You remember, and and Peter he's like, man, I'll do anything. I'm not gonna betray you like these other losers. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll fight to the death. You know, and uh, Jesus said, Nah, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows. You know, but John he never did. John's head was on the chest of Jesus, and and who did Peter talk? He said, Hey, John. Um, Can you ask Jesus who's going to betray? How come Peter didn't just ask him? Revelation comes through intimacy. It's a picture. See, it's one thing to know how much you love God or think you love God. It's another thing to know how much God loves you. Amen? And um, So do we know the Lord? So these guys are like, yeah, don't you know John 10? And I'm like, I'd never considered that. Long story short, I began to pursue the Lord. I met him in my pickup truck crossing the bridge in Yorktown, Virginia. I was looking at the beautiful sunset. Psalm 19 says, day unto day utter speech, night unto night knowledge. The sun is like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber, running its race from one end of heaven to the other end. Nothing's hidden from its heat. In other words, it goes on to talk about how creation is testifying. Creation is being an evangelist in the earth. Read Psalm 19 one time. I remember one time I was sitting out learning how to listen to the Lord's voice and hear him. I was quieting my heart within me. I used to get up, you know, super early around that time. I'd get up way before the sun would get up and I'd just sit there and wait and I'd be so tired because it was so early in the morning and I'm waiting on the Lord, quieting my heart and I'd start to fall asleep, you know. And I'd wake up, oh God, sorry, I'm trying to listen to you. I'm trying to, you know, listen to your voice and I fall asleep again, you know. And I remember around this time, uh, I'm learning how to hear God's voice, the sun just cracked over the edge of the horizon and it's one of the only times I've ever heard the audible voice of God. I heard the audible voice of God right behind me say Psalm 19. It's a few years after I got saved, I had no idea what it said. And I opened it up and it said, day unto day utter speech, night into night knowledge. The sun is like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber. And it was like the Lord was kissing me again and reminded me of the moment of my salvation. So I want you to understand every time you see a sunrise, every time you see a sunset, understand it's God's testimony towards you of his love for you. And I gave my life to Lord that day in my pickup truck. I said, God, I can't do this, but I want to. I want to know you. I want to go all in. I want my my whole life. To, to be fulfilled, and I know the only way that I can live a fulfilled life is if I go all in. I need you. I can't do this on my own. And when I prayed that prayer, it was like somebody dumped ten thousand gallons of liquid love on me. I mean, I was radically born again. I was a brand new person, and I began to share the gospel with people immediately. I remember, the next day I would pick up a hitchhiker. I remember I did it. I said, "Hey, man, you want a Hardy's? You want a Hardy's cheeseburger or something?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I took him to Hardy's because a lot of times the way to people's heart is through their stomach, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, and I sat there and I said, "Hey, man, I just want you to know what happened to me." And I told told him what happened to me, and I told him John three sixteen. It's the only verse I remembered from when I was a child. <laughs> God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that those who believe in him shall not die but have everlasting life. And I as I quoted the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will back up the word of God. Jesus said, the words that I say are not my own words. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And the words that I say are spirit and their life. If you memorize the words of Jesus and you speak them, you're literally speaking the words of the Father and their spirit and their life. And the Holy Spirit will breathe on those words. Amen? It means you don't have to be an evangelist to, to share the gospel. Matter of fact, you just got to be a believer. You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Love the Lord your God with some of your heart, right? How much of your heart? Say all. all. Come on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. If you love God with all of your heart, then out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. The the natural overflow of a heart that's in love is evangelism. If there's an evangelism uh, blockage in your life, it could just be the fruit of a receiving problem. See, because in 1 John it says, we love him because he first loved us, right? So to the degree that you can receive the love of God is the degree that you'll love God back, right? And Jesus told us, if you love me, then you'll obey my commandments. That's John 14. So we can't say we love God if we don't obey God, right? And how many people know that the great commission is not the great suggestion, but it's a commandment. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach means proclaim with words. Romans 10 says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but how can they hear unless somebody preaches? Come on. So it's time to testify. It's time to become a witness. Not because you're necessarily an evangelist or you have the gift of evangelism. People come up to me and say, man, you got the gift of evangelism, but I don't got that. I'm kind of more of a pastor. You know, you get them saved and I kind of clean them up, you know. And, you know, they're like, you know, you're an extrovert and I'm an introvert, you know. And I, 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 I is all I hear. But I thought it wasn't about you. I thought it wasn't no longer you who lives, but... Christ who lives in you. I thought nothing was impossible to those who believe, even evangelism. Come on, let people say, "Well, I'm weak in evangelism." Again, that's an I. But here, here's the thing. I tell them, "Listen, that's good news. That means you qualify." Because in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. It's not when you're strong in your own strength that you qualify. It's when you understand, I can do nothing, John 15, unless I abide in Christ. But if I'm abiding in Christ, I can do all things. This is why Jesus said, listen, I'm not going to leave you alone. Listen, you're not going to be able to do anything. I understand. I know you. I know who you are. I became a little lower than the angels, took on flesh and blood so I can identify with your human weakness. I know how weak you are, and I know you can't do nothing unless you have a helper. Therefore, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I'm going to send to you a helper, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with you. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not the best evangelist. (laughs) Billy Graham, not the best evangelist. Ryan Harmacki not the best evangelist. Todd White not even the best evangelist. But look at your neighbor and say but my best friend is. <laughs> See the Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist. John 16 Jesus said it's to your advantage that I go away. Say advantage. advantage. I want you to consider this for a minute. How many people think that Jesus was an advantage to the disciples' lives? Just a few of you. A little like think about it for a minute. How many people think if you go into a party with Jesus and they run out of wine and his mama comes to him and says, hey, they ran out of wine. And Jesus said, woman, what's that have to do with me? Now, I won't call my mama a woman, but he's <laughs> hey, Jesus. He can do what he wants, you know. She ignores him like, you know, sometimes women do that, you know. And she looks at the servants and she says this, do whatever he says. Say that with me. Do whatever he says. This is the key to the miraculous. Do whatever he says. You hear his voice and you obey him and you partner with him and he adds his super to your natural. If you just do whatever he says. They do what he says and he turns water into wine. How many people think that's going to help your faith a little bit? If you see water turn to wine. How about walking on water? If you see Jesus walking on the water and then Peter says, hey, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And then you see Peter and you know how messed up Peter is. And he steps out the boat and starts walking. How many people think that's going to help your faith? Or rebuking a storm that has the capacity to kill you. These are like fishermen. They understand a storm that has the capacity to kill them. And, and Jesus says, peace be unto you, and it just slick as glass. How many people think that's going to help your faith? Or seeing uh, uh, leprosy be healed. Anybody ever seen roadkill before? I know this is a road church, but have you ever seen roadkill before? <laughs> Anybody ever smelled roadkill before? It's like, ugh, you don't even want to think about it, right? I want you just to think about rotten. Sometimes in our culture, we don't understand the magnitude of a miracle because it's not around us. Like, if you had leprosy at that point, you weren't allowed around people, first of all. No one's allowed to touch you, or they'd become unclean. And matter of fact, if they walked in the room, you would smell them. That's how bad. Their, their skin was rotten. And Jesus just shh, heals them, and their skin was like baby. How many people think that would be helpful for your faith? Listen, if you still don't think it would be helpful for your faith, when you get to heaven, I want you to ask the sons of thunder about the time they were walking through the town of Samaria... Nobody was being hospitable. You guys remember that? And Jesus says to them, I mean, uh, the the sons of thunder come up to Jesus and they say, hey, you want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did? (laughs) Look, they understood their authority. I don't know any Christians that actually believe they can call down fire on a city and it actually happened. And that's probably a good thing. We might not have New York or California be burned up by now or Las Vegas, you know, like Chicago for sure. You guys might have got the collateral damage, you know. But but they said, you want us to call down fire from heaven like a light. Listen, they understood the Bible. They, they had biblical, listen, there's biblical precedents for this. They understood their authority. They understood... There's biblical precedents, but good thing Jesus was with them. He was their advantage that day, you know, because he's like, no, 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 not a good idea, boys. You don't know what spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to kill men's lives. He came to save men's lives. You know why Jesus was their advantage that day? because they obeyed him they are like of course they did it's jesus man what are they gonna do ignore jesus that's so crazy no nobody's gonna ignore jesus can you imagine whatever jesus it's in the bible fire they burn up the city you know and then they get to heaven realize oops that was not what god wanted to do like no that's ridiculous we don't think and nobody would ignore jesus But Jesus tells the disciples, listen, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. He said, you can blaspheme me, but don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. We think it's ridiculous to disobey Jesus, but let me ask you a question. How often have you disobeyed the Holy Spirit? See, the Lord told me, he said... Tell the church, if we start taking advantage of our advantage, then we'll see Jesus get his full reward. We've got an advantage, it's the Holy Spirit, and I'm telling you, he qualifies you to win the lost. These signs follow those who believe. It this doesn't say these signs follow the evangelist or the apostle or the one with the microphone. It says these signs follow those who believe. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. I believe in my heart, therefore I speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, my mouth speaks. Come on. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Say, I am, I am. the light of the world. It's who you are. Evangelism isn't just something you do. It's who you are. Amen? I got radically saved, ended up going to that Baptist church that I got saved at when I was 11. Went to my first Bible study, and uh, I'm reading the Bible with them. You ever seen a new believer when they read the Bible? They're like, oh, my God, it's the Word of God. That's God's Word. And you're like, yeah, dude, it's been around forever. I know. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. That's God's word. And that's how I was. I'm like, what do you mean you're only going to read one chapter? No way. Somebody stay with me. I want to read the whole book of John and maybe Matthew, Mark, and Luke and everything. Like, right now. Like, this is God's word. Two people stayed with me, two people, a girl and a guy, and we shut down the church. Literally, the, the janitor kicked us out of the church. He said, I want to go home and be with my family, guys. Can you go to the Waffle House and keep reading the Bible? We're like, yeah, sure. We went to the Waffle House. And we're reading the Bible and suddenly the girl looks up at me and she says, hey, Richie, were you at a soccer game two years ago? And you punched some guy in the face. And I'm like, oh, no. That's her. And I got embarrassed and she she tapped me on the shoulder. She says, hey, Richie, don't worry about it. That day I started praying for your soul. Never discount the power of your prayer as it pertains to evangelism. I don't believe anyone gets saved outside of prayer, and I believe that that's just where we get the heart of the Father. We begin to pray with the Father for lost people, and He will impart His heart to you. Because God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. He sent His Son to seek and to save that which was lost. He anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel to the poor, to loose those who are bound. Come on, this is this is His heart. That he would give his life. And and to love God means you love what he loves and hate what he hates. Amen? So I I end up getting radically saved. I go to YWAM, Youth with a Mission, or Young Women After Men, some people call it, you know. And I met my wife there, a Canadian uh, lady, beautiful, blue eyes. We got four kids. I got a 12, a 10, uh, a 6-year-old, and a 4-year-old, girl, boy, girl, boy. And God has really blessed us, you know. Um, But I remember uh, one time I was pastoring in Calgary, Alberta. God asked us to plant a church in Calgary, Alberta. I was 25 years old, had no idea what I was doing. And uh, the reality is, is that when you follow Jesus, when you follow the Holy Spirit, he will often put you in situations where if he doesn't help you, it ain't going to turn out very good. (laughs) Like where you go to the edge of your ability so that he has to add his super to your natural. Amen. And uh, I'm like... totally tired and kind of you know I real, I realized after I started pastoring for some reason the sheep bite shepherds a lot of time and I'm like why why is everything that happens wrong my fault all of a sudden you guys used to like me before I became your pastor listen be nice to your pastor I know you don't have a problem with that because he's bigger than you all you know but you know just be nice and and uh anyway I was like tired you know and I remember I went to uh I went to uh Redding, California, and I'm there, and, uh, you know, I was kind of poor, because you don't really go into the ministry at the time, you know, necessarily to be rich, and I'm planting a church, and literally, I I had, like, nothing. Literally, they gave us $1,000 a month to plant the church. I wasn't allowed to work in Canada, so, like, we were living on $12,000 a year, planting a church, supernaturally, because Calgary's like a... um, it's an oil city; it's like you couldn't live on one hundred grand in the in the city. But God was supernaturally providing for us. We got to uh, we were we used to go to Redding, California, and uh, we would go to the leaders' advances. And I remember um, being there and just receiving. They were going to have a prophetic ministry, and I'm there to receive. And um, the Hessler's were there that day, and they were guest worship leaders. You guys ever hear "I'm No Longer a Slave"? That, those guys amazing anointed it was the first year that song came out I remember they came and I'm surrounded by thousands of heroes and I'm at the front I got the best spot in the place because I can like ignore everybody else and just worship the Lord and I'm like put my hands up to worship God and they start singing the first strum of the guitar I could feel the chicken skin goosebumps coming all over to me and I'm like oh God I start crying you know and I'm having this moment with the Lord and all of a sudden somebody's arms come around me and it's Chris Overstreet, he's a good friend of mine, he's the evangelist at Bethel Church and he, he says, uh, I had a vision, you want to come with me? And I'm thinking, no. I want to stay right here and worship God and I know the prophet, he's going to get my name, he's going to be like, there's like a seltzer water, like does that make sense like, to anybody? And he's going to pick me out and he's going to give me a word and that's what my plan is, you know. And the crazy thing is I had just gone to the ATM because, uh, you know, when you live in Canada and you come back into the U.S., if you go to an ATM and you get try to get $20 out, it's going to charge you money because it's not your bank. And then it's going to charge you money because you're exchanging money. And then by the end of it, you're going to pay $20 to get $20 out. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to outsmart the system. I'll get all the money I need for the week out. And I got $250 out, put it in my pocket. Fast forward, I'm at the front of the... the the stage at Bethel and I'm worshiping Chris over said, "I had a vision. You want to come with me?" No. But I knew it was the Lord. I love people like Chris who will listen at the slightest inkling of the voice of God. This you want to you want to see more of the supernatural in your life, words of knowledge and prophecy, be super sensitive to his voice. Don't wait for absolute assurance. I got to know that I know that I know that it's the Lord. No. I would rather get it wrong thinking I'm hearing God than get it wrong by disobeying God thinking that it might just be me. You know how many amazing encounters that I've had, like getting it wrong? I go up to somebody in the grocery store and I'd be like, hey man, you got a problem with your ankle? They're like, no. How come you ask? like, I don't, don't worry about it. How about your elbow? You got a problem with your elbow? No, I got a problem with my elbow. What are you, what's wrong with you, dude? I'm like, oh, I don't know. How about your back? You got a problem with my back? No. He's like, get away from me, man. You're scaring me. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry, man. I'm a, I'm a new believer. I'm a, new, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm just learning how to hear God's voice. You know, I don't hear him right all the time. But sometimes I do hear him right. And when I do, I pray for people and they get healed. That's why I'm asking you. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. i got a problem with my neck. You think you can pray for my neck and heal my neck? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I pray for their neck. Their neck gets healed and they get saved all through a wrong word of knowledge. (laughs) Are you willing to look like a fool in order for somebody to hear about Jesus? Amen? And so we left the this amazing atmosphere, the presence of God, the hustlers and stuff, and I get into the car with Chris, and he's got this little white Cavalier at the time, and he puts on this music, he said, Richie, I made this CD, check this out, Chris used to be 400 pounds, and uh, he's now 200 pounds, he lost so much weight, and he's like, it's like a, a CD to help inspire people, it's like self-help CD kind of thing, it's got techno music in the background, And it's Chris, and he's like, look at yourself in the mirror. Tell yourself you can do it. And techno music. It's like, (laughs) it's just a different atmosphere in the car than necessarily in the Bethel, you know? And I'm like, all right, Chris, what vision did you have? He said, we're going to go to this place called Anderson. I'm like, oh, man, that's like kind of a lower income place that we would serve, and he's like, I'm like, that's like 25 minutes away, we're not going to get there and then get back in time, like, I'm not, I'm not even going to get the, get the profit to get a word for me, man, like, <laughs> I'm thinking that to myself, and anyway, we, we, we show up at, the, at this apartment complex kind of thing, and we walk in, and, and uh, he, I said, what was the vision you had? He said, I had a vision of door number 23, I'm like, that's the vision you had, dude, door number 23? So I walk, we walk up to door number 23. We knock on the door. The lady opens up the door, but it, she doesn't open it all the way. It's got, like, chains all the way up and down. And she's, like, looking through the door, like, yeah. And Chris opens, opening line, I had a vision. <laughs> she's like all right, you know, two guys, had a, had a vision, you know, he's like, no, 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 I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, and he starts to share with her, you know, about the gospel and stuff, and she's kind of being nice listening to him, and he's an amazing evangelist, so he's capturing her attention as she's sharing about Jesus and stuff, but, you know, she's kind of distracted because this child is throwing this toy out of the crack of the door, and every time the child would throw the, the toy out, he would just kind of, like, kick the toy back in that. Door and the, or the lady would kick the toy back in the door, kick the baby back, get back in the house, get back in the house. And it was like two or three times this happens. About the third time I realized when the child does this again, it's not a toy, it's a little pocketbook, like a lady's pocketbook that snaps in the middle. As soon as I saw that, I heard the Lord say, Give her all the money in your pocket. Whoa. Slow obedience is disobedience. If you love me, then you'll obey my commandments. And so I just grabbed that pocketbook and I, and I opened it up and I put the $250 in there. And, uh, and I'm like, this is for you from God. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Our father told... Now, the moment I picked up the pocketbook, I had a vision. Sometimes you think God's going to speak to you beforehand. Is this okay? I'm just trying to do some equipping as I'm telling stories. Sometimes people think that you're going to get this... Go do this and then do this and then do this and then tell them this all before you go. And most of the time it doesn't happen that way. He just gives you door number 23. And um, so as soon as I grabbed the wallet, I had this vision and I saw her looking over a coffee table and all these bills and stuff. And I heard the Lord say, ask her about her dad. So I said, no, you don't understand. God, the father, your father in heaven told us to come here. He's telling me to give you this. And he told me to ask you about your father, your dad. She starts to cry on the spot. She said, my dad died two weeks ago. And she's quivering, you know, she's crying. And I said, your heavenly father, I saw that you can't pay your bills. And typically you would call your dad and ask him to help you cover your bills when you can't cover it. But your heavenly father sent us here so that you would know you're not an orphan. You have a father in heaven who provides for you according to his, his riches and glory. And she's weeping in the presence of God. And let me tell you, it was easy to lead her to Jesus that day. Maybe you're in here today and you don't know God as your father. I want you to know, just like I grew up and, and my dad only got to see him every other weekend. And I, my mom was, had multiple dads in and out of my life. And, and sometimes they were there and they would celebrate me during football. And then when they would break up, that was it, you know. And so I had this void in my life of the voice of a father, the voice of affirmation. I want you to know that when they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, he prayed this way. He said, pray this way, our father who is in heaven. You don't have a a God who is removed from you. You have a God that decided to make himself a human being. Make himself a little lower than the angel so that he can identify with our suffering. The Bible says he was was despised. He was rejected. He was a a man of sorrows. He he understands pain. He understands you. He wants to identify. He, He wants you to know he can identify with you this morning. And he loves you. Just because 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 he loves you. I have a little girl. I don't know if somebody wants to come and help me. I'm going to begin to land this plane and kind of begin to minister here in a minute. I believe the Father wants to baptize us with the the Father's blessing as well in the service. And kiss us because if we understand the love of God, it will manifest in a lifestyle of evangelism. I had, uh, when I got married, I met my wife and YW and I got married, uh, we had a plan that we're not going to have any children for five years, you know, we're going to go travel the world and kind of be together. And, you know, how many people know man plans his ways, but God directs his steps, you know. We lasted about two years, a year and a half, and we got pregnant with our first child. And, and uh, we had a plan. My plan was, you know, we're going to have a boy first, and uh, I'm going to teach him how to fight. And then, you know, when we have our daughter, she won't be able to date anybody. You know, it's a good plan, right? Anybody agree with that plan? It's my plan. Man plans his ways, God directs his steps. And, you know, we go to our first ultrasound, and the doctor tells us it's a boy. And um, so we name him Gabriel, you know, and we're connecting and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, my wife got provoked to jealousy because my sister in law got a different kind of ultrasound. We got the 2D one, you know, the black and white one. And, um, You got to have faith and trust the doctor when he says, that's the arm and that's the leg. And you're like, oh, really? So we just kind of had to have faith about it, you know. Well, my sister in law got a 3 or 4D one. Like, you ever seen those? It's like you can literally see the baby's face. You're like, oh my gosh, it has your ears and my nose, poor thing. Like, and my wife was like provoked to just our first baby. She's like, I got to get one of those and you got to pay for it. When your wife is pregnant, you just say yes, ma'am. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, ma'am. So I, uh, we go in, and the the, the the ultrasound tech says, "You want to know what the baby is?" And and um, I'm not. Like, We're like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's my boy, you know, because you're already connecting with the baby in the womb, you know. And I'm like throwing the football. I know what he's gonna be like and stuff. And she's like, uh... Hold on one second. She leaves. She comes back with this contract. She said, yeah, I sign this contract, sir. And I'm like, for what? She said, I can release the sex of the baby to you. I'm like, I already know what it is. She said, just sign this contract, Mr. Seltzer." So I signed the contract. She turns the TV around and it's definitely a girl in the 4D. At first, you know, I had to kind of get over it, the fact that my plan, but I got excited and I ended up worshiping. I was worshiping the Lord at the Red Line Hotel in Reading and I go into this encounter and in this encounter, I'm pushing this little girl on a swing. And it's like I'm in the room, but not in the room. I'm actually in this trance. It's like, it's only happened to me a few times. I can hear people worshiping, but I, I can smell the honeysuckle. I'm in a different place. I can feel the wind blowing on me. And I'm pushing this little girl on a swing, and she jumps off the swing, flies through the air, lands on the ground, and she, she runs back around, and, and I see her face. It's the first time I saw my daughter's face, and a butterfly flies between us. And as soon as the butterfly flies between us, boom, I'm back in the room. And I hear the Lord say, you're going to have a little girl named her Abigail Joy. Abigail means her father's joy or fountain of joy. So she's fountain of joy, joy. She's got a double portion of joy, you know. And I go home and I tell Chelsea, I said, Hey, we're going to have a little girl. I don't know if it'll be this baby or not, but we're going to have a little girl. And when we do, we got to name her Abigail. She says, no way. I've always wanted to name my first girl, Abigail. I never told anybody. So you remember the girl, she prayed for me, I punched her boyfriend in the face, she prayed for me. The first night after she told me that we went to this river that I would go to, the James River, and I wanted to take him somewhere where I was meeting with the Lord, and she started singing this song. Lord, you are more precious than silver, Lord, you are more costly than gold, Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. Nothing I desire compares with you. She'd sing a simple song. She started singing that, and the presence of God crashed in on me. It's the first time I'd ever experienced. I started weeping under the presence of God. We sang the same course, that same thing for two hours straight. The presence of God just washing over us as the waves were crashing on the on the riverbank. And so, when we had this child, I used to put my hands. On Chelsea's stomach, on her womb, every night, and I would sing that song. Lord, you are. And what I didn't realize is that children develop the ability to hear in the womb. So at some point, she's recognizing the voice of her father singing over her every single night. Now, my my wife, she got a hold of this book. She'd never had a child before. She got a hold of this book that's called The Supernatural Childbirth. Anybody ever heard of it? Basically, the premise is pain and childbirth came with the fall of, you know, their sin. And Jesus became a curse. You don't have to be under any curse. And so children should have babies without pain. And theology seemed really good. And my wife was like, yeah. And she she carried that book everywhere with her more than the Bible she was like a supernatural childbirth evangelist hey have you heard about this and there was a whole plan she, it was like listen if you um, start feeling pain in the childbirth it's because you're taking your eyes you're getting afraid so just worship and so she said if I start feeling pain I want you to put Jen Johnson on and I'm like and that was my response but I said okay I've got it so tonight my child's going to be born and she, her water breaks while we're watching a movie in the middle of the night. She's no pain. She's like, see, I'm having no pain. She t- we take a video. We're going to meet you in a couple hours, sweetie, you know. You ever seen a woman before she goes into active labor? They're like, yeah. <laughs> 26 hours later. Ah! <laughs> you want me to put Jen Johnson on? No! you did this to me, get away from me! don't touch me, ah, you know, like, my shirt was ripped off, (laughs) baby comes out, she's, like, terrified, you know, I'm sure, like, she's been through 26 hours of trauma, too, like, her eyes are, like, slammed shut, like, lights in her face, she doesn't hear mama's heartbeat for the first time in her life, like you can't imagine the amount of fear that she's in, in confusion she might be feeling. You know, I go make sure my wife's okay, and I go over to my, my little girl as she's laying in this bed, it's a heated bed, and they're like washing her off, and she's just screaming, and her eyes are closed, and I lean in, and I start singing, Lord, you are, and the moment I started singing, she quit crying. And she turns her little face over to me. And she strains her eyes open. And the first thing she sees is a voice who's been singing over her since she's been in her mother's womb. I can't explain to you how much love I have for that little girl in that time. She could do nothing for me except poop, eat, and sleep, and I'd die for her. (laughs) I know I'd die for her. I want you to understand your father has been singing over you. Psalm 139 says, he knit you in your mother's womb that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That his thoughts for you are more than the sand on the seashore. He loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Just because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Just because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Just because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. He's always loved you. He's always gonna love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And when you understand the love of God, there's no greater love than this, than the man laid down his life for his friends. See, love looks like something. Love looks like God hanging on a cross. He could get 10,000 angels, legions of angels to come to his defense, and yet, For the joy set before him, he endures the cross. He allows them to crucify him. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. This is what love looks like. It looks like God, while they're rolling dice at the foot of the cross, gambling over his clothes, having pulled his beard out and punched him in the face, he was silent like a lamb, silent before the slaughter. This is what love looks like. This is what love looks like. It looks like a father laying down his life. Where Jesus said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the father. He's saying, this is what God's like. This is what God's like. He'll give his life for you. And this is his call. He said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he's got to take up his cross and follow me. To the degree that you realize how much he loves you is to the degree it's easy to lay down your life for him. For if you try to save your life, you'll lose your life. But if you lose your life for his sake, then you'll find your life. Maybe you've never gone all in. Maybe you have some little things that you are holding back from God this morning. Maybe you've never known him, like I didn't really know him. This morning, the invitation is to know him. The invitation for some of you might be that you pray to prayer, but you're not all in. But you want to be. And your heavenly Father is waiting for you to come home and go all in. He's waiting for you to re, re, rededicate your life to Christ. If you want to give your life to Christ this morning for the first time, or if you want to rededicate your life to Christ, you feel the call of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're watching live online right now. I want you to know, cast your cares upon Him for He cares for you. He loves you says come to me you who are weak and weary and I will give you rest he's waiting with arms wide open come home God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble be humble this morning don't care about what anyone else thinks he publicly hung on on a cross for you let's publicly love him not just this morning but let's love him for the rest of our life If you feel the Holy Spirit touching on your heart and you want to respond to this altar call, I want you to put your hand up quickly right now. Quickly. Right now. Thank you for your hand. Put your hand up quickly. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. Keep your hand up. Sometimes we're so concerned about what other people think. I want to encourage you. No one else's opinion is going to matter when you stand before God. He says, if you're ashamed of me in front of men, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my Father and the angels that are in heaven. He loves you with an everlasting love. But there is a a response to the grace and the love of God. If you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I want you to put your hand up quickly right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This next call is for believers. You've been following Jesus for a while, but... Evangelism isn't an overflow in your life. The Lord is calling his church to a first love encounter. Repentance isn't a bad word, repentance is a gift. John the Baptist was baptizing with water unto repentance and they asked him if he was Messiah. He said, I'm not him. I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandal. But when he comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. The context is repentance. He's baptizing with water unto repentance. I believe in sometimes in these kind of messages, the love of God is so deep, but it's also calling us higher to repent, return to the penthouse, return to highest and best, stop living below the, the standard that God has created us to live at. And he's calling us to be the light that we were always created to be. Because people's lives are at stake. So many people don't know God as a Father, but you do. If that's you and you want to, you just want to say, Yeah, I want my life to shine more. I want to go all in and be able to share the gospel, share about my Father everywhere as a lifestyle out of the abundance of my heart. I want you to raise your hand right now, quickly, quickly. Thank you, Jesus. If you've raised your hand at all in the first call or that call, I want you to stand to your feet quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray this together, church. Every voice. Jesus, you're looking at my heart. I love you. Because you first loved me. And I believe. You died on the cross. You resurrected from the dead. And I believe. You'll be with me forever. Wash me of all of my sins. And make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to be a witness, a disciple, I trust you. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.